Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we compare two thematically linked films, one classic or mainstream and one cult. This is going to be a very exciting two-part episode. Uh, first, we'll be discussing the mainstream feature, Monster Hunter 2020 with Tony Yaw and Mila Jovovich by director-writer Paul W.S. Anderson. And then uh, for part two, we, which will air next week, we will be covering Wing Commander from 1999 from the Wing Commander series, written and directed by uh, is it Chris Roberts and uh, starring Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive right in uh, to Monster Hunter. So Monster Hunter is uh, the it was to be a big budget summer blockbuster in 2020. Obviously, coronavirus caused some issues with that, uh, but it did hit theaters right out of the gate. It had issues in China, which is of course one of the biggest markets for film, especially overseas. They love special effects laden American films. It's where a lot of B movies make up their money. Uh, and this had a huge issue uh, that actually affected Capcom's game, which uh, Monster Hunter is, of course, based off of the long-running series, because they had an anti-Asian joke in it. Now, I'm going to briefly cover the joke because I do think it's it's important. I think it's really easy to write off um, a film that has some questionable content in it that's culturally insensitive. Um, I'm not saying it shouldn't be done in this case. I do think it was a stupid thing to put in. I don't... You could make a clear argument. I think that it was probably unintentional. But again, why was it there at all? The issue is, is that um, there is a, an American, there, there's an American military squad in this movie. And one of them makes a, a comment. Um, it's a knee joke uh, about Chinese. What kind of knees are these Chinese, which is stupid. Um, it's probably for a lot of people in uh, millennials and younger it's probably an innocuous statement that they didn't really, oh, it rhymes. I don't know why you would say that. But it actually, it seems to stem from uh, an old, essentially playground taunt against Asian children, uh, Japanese, Chinese, and various other cultures, um, which is really essentially hate speech. Um, <clears throat> and so to have that in there, uh, and then launch it in China and have people realize it. And here's the other thing that made people really mad about it is they didn't subtitle it as it was spoken in English. They changed it. They swapped it with a, apparently a, a, a common proverb in China. Uh, so it was not only it looked as though somebody and 
I'm not saying they did or did not, but it looked as though somebody in some aspect of the process of porting it to China uh, and, and presumably other Asian countries said, oh, this could be problematic, so we'll just cover it up. Well, guys, English is a pretty popular language worldwide. People are going to notice. Um, so that's stupid. And that caused a huge issue. It still made lots of money, um, but I think it was like something like 28 million uh, for opening, give or take, and the estimated budget was about 60 million. So somewhere around there, it didn't, people were like, well, it didn't make half its money back. Okay, it made plenty of money. The, the issue is never when you see those numbers, they're very inflated and they're very confusing. The money will come from ancillary revenues, i.e. Blu-ray sales, rentals, um, streaming, things like that. The actual theater run is rarely going to make the huge amounts of money that a film requires. If every time somebody said, oh, it only made $10 million in opening weekend and it costs uh, you know, 80 million, it's, it's a huge bomb. Not really. Uh, that's that's just that's a misnomer. Um, I'm probably preaching to the choir here. Let's get right into the plot. This is this is going to be a contentious discussion, I think, on many things. Um, people who've played the games or are aware of them, the game is very plot light. Uh, it, they are they are series that are heavy on grind, meaning you replay things over and over again. You are a sort of nuevo alternate reality quote-unquote primitive person where there's magic but also you craft weapons out of pieces of animals so you're sort of like a hunter-gatherer tribe on in an anime versus in the real world uh and you would go and hunt various monsters you'd go on a mission to hunt something gather parts from it to either fulfill a quest for a non-player character or to get stuff to build new stronger armor or weapons for you there's lots of neat touches like different characters different races there are the little cat creatures and now dog creatures in the newer iterations that are sort of your uh, helpers that do things like carry your equipment and assist you in battle and in some iterations of the game you can actually play as them uh, they're very cute the design is usually colorful and they like to have big dinosaur reptile inspired and sometimes insect inspired creatures in these the monsters are sort of the star of the show and there are dozens of them in the the game's iterations so when making this video game adaptation film uh, Paul W.S. Anderson has been working on it uh, apparently since 2012. So it came out in 2020, they've been working on it in 2012. I mean, accounting for pre-production and things, I mean, that's, I don't know, five to eight years of work. Um, you'll hear me saying I'm a lot because I'm trying to consider carefully how I, how I share the plot. Um, right away, it looks that for people who like the game, you may be in for a treat because it starts with a sort of cool bone and wood ship that is cruising across a sand desert uh, with various characters with fun armor and accoutrements, including Tony Yaw, who is, um, as his current uh, roles in American-aimed cinema seems to be, he grimaces a lot and is very... Uh, martial arts agile now that's great it's great i'm glad he's there uh but he is ends up being tossed overboard after some of the crew is killed by a big monster that comes out of the sand it's a glorified sandworm it's what it appears at first uh, but it's pretty cool in the short glimpses we get and then he's passed out in the sand and then we see we're in like our time in the middle of the desert and there's an american troop led by um Mila jovovich's character as commander 
this troop is looking for a lost squadron. They end up getting caught in a big, weird electrical storm that launches them into this monster hunter world. So, okay, we'll just, I'll keep going. So I'll plow through. Uh, ultimately, monsters attack this group. Everyone is killed except for Mila Jovovich, and she runs into Tony Yaw's character that she dubs Hunter because they do not speak the same language, which is actually a nice touch, I thought. Well, they uh, are antagonistic to each other until they finally come to grips that they need each other as she's trying to get to a, the distant storm to get back home, and he's trying to get to this mysterious tower that is in the center of the storm. Well, the problem is, is this sand monster is uh, stalking the desert between... Uh, which which is between these two locations. Ultimately, spoiler alert, guys. Again, spoilers are not important in this podcast. We'll give them, but never will I give you a sp spoiler that will actually destroy the film for you, I do not think. And if I do, I will warn you first. So, yes, of course, they make it across. They meet up with the rest of that ship, and then they defeat these dragon-esque monsters that I guess are, are from some iteration of the game. And... Uh, Mila Jovovich ends up back in her world, kind of. Then, as soon as she ends up back in her world, they're attacked by monsters. More American, or you know, American military people are wiped out, and she goes back to the monster hunter world, presumably to try and shut down the tower that is creating this opening between the worlds. And that's where the movie ends. Okay, so that sounded complicated, but it's not. It's a stranger in a strange land trope. Mila Jovovich falls into another world uh she ends up befriending a warrior of this world they fight big monsters and then they end up having to destroy the link between the worlds it's been done a million times there are other elements in here um i'm just going to dive right into asking what people thought so mandy you enjoyed this movie right i think you're still on mute mandy i can't hear you I hate this button on my headphones. <laughs> we got it you now. screws me up every week. Um, I really enjoy this movie. This is the first movie that I've watched in a long time where I wasn't tempted to be like scrolling on my phone or like folding laundry or doing something else like while the movie was on. I just like I was actually gonna watch it and like lie down like on the couch and I literally sat up on my elbow for like the first 30 minutes of the movie. I like forgot to even lie down and relax i was like so engaged with the opening of the film so um i really liked it i have not played any of the video games probably went into it like i went into it with zero expectations zero knowledge about the video game franchise zero knowledge about the characters or what kind of monsters we would see i didn't even watch the preview um and it just held my interest through the whole thing i thought the pacing was decently good maybe a little slow in the first two thirds and then a little rushed in the last third um, of the movie, but overall, obviously very engaging. I felt that the score matched up well with the theme of the movie and the type of action and um, type of tone of the film. I really enjoyed the through jokes that they kept with um, between the two main characters, uh, especially the one related to them using each other as bait. I thought that was very nice. It played well. It alternated very nicely throughout the film. Um, and Ron Perlman being in there was a nice bonus for me because I'm a fan of his. So I don't know. I guess that, 
Ron yeah, Perlman is truly, he's truly a gift. Um, he plays, <sighs> yeah. he looks wild in this movie. Like, oh, they definitely, wow. They, they animate what him out. Way, they animated a lot of the characters. He has, like, they did take a lot of things from the games in, in, in the character um, pieces. So, like, their costumes look very much like the game's aesthetics. Um, their hairstyles, of course, because Monster Hunter has a character creator where you can create your own avatar using different hairstyles, things like that. They did that fairly well. Um, I'm going to go through Before I share my thoughts, we're, we'll go through. I do think heading in without any knowledge of the games is totally fine. For people who are concerned that they would miss something, they don't. Because the, the movie does not follow any game plot. And the games do not have a great deal of plot to begin with. Um, they're, they're, yeah, they're not a great deal of plot. Jeff, uh, I know you've played a little bit of the Monster Hunter games, at least Monster Hunter World. What was your expectation going in, and what is it now that you've seen the film? So I've only played Monster Hunter World. Uh, I've never played another. This Monster is where Hunter I game. call you a noob. I think uh, it's just a genre that term, right? game I'm that sorry. I've just not tackled. There's millions of games out there, and can't play them all. Uh, even though there goes our Japanese audience. Would like to. Uh, Monster Hunter World is a fun game. As like Nate said, it's very grindy. Uh, one of the interesting things about the game is you you basically you fight one maybe monster repeatedly and you uh, obtain materials from the monster and then you craft a weapon uh, to then beat the next monster because it has you know poison on it for example uh, this was actually something they did in the game where I'm sorry in the movie where basically they hunted these spiders for uh, essentially like their sleep poison um, which is a uh, element in the game, uh, and then they use that to uh, to hunt the Diablos. Um, I think the really interesting thing that about Monster Hunter, um, and actually it's translated into to the cinema uh, really well, which I hadn't really thought of until this um, movie, was the fact that the weapons look cool because they're based on the animal or monster that they're built off of like you know they're they're like a jawbone or um some sort of uh, you know like spike or element of the monster that it's built from uh people actually make these weapons um like as like a hobby um and they make really cool looking like uh real versions of these weapons uh, yeah the games the are like a cosplayer's dream exactly um, yeah there's there's and we're talking about dozens of different weapons and, and styles of weapons in many of the games it's just it's it's very open this is the kind of game where people sink hundreds and hundreds of hours into yeah so it, in that aspect is really interesting um i never thought that it could work cinematically mostly because the games don't have plot i mean they're essentially there's a loose plot to say you're gonna go hunt a big monster like it's essentially like you know uh, just very loosely getting there and then as soon as you see the big monster you're in like okay yes i'm excited i'm having a good time fighting this monster you didn't need anything else to get the, get you there so it couldn't i couldn't imagine a film being made off of it because there wasn't anything to base it on um and this gets to be my analysis of the actual film i loved the first half because it really wasn't monster hunter it was like a it was monster prey it's a survival movie and yeah it was it was a different thing um and it used like kind of like some of the characters and elements of this world um like it used like diablos which is you know one of the the you know 
more challenging bosses or uh, monsters in Monster Hunter World um, uh, that has like, you know, a lot of style to it is like one of the more interesting ones that you come across. Um, and, uh, you know, he's very menacing. Uh, and you have the spiders. I don't know if there's spiders in any of the iterations of Monster not, Hunter. Not really. As far I mean, as I know, there isn't. And they were, um, they took up a lot of screen time. I was a little, it, it felt at that point, like I'm like, Paul W.S. Anderson wanted to make Starship Troopers. And so he did a lot of that. And I, anyway, I think yeah, I'm that, sure that there were lots of, of, of fans of the games who were like, what am I watching for the first 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes? Yeah, it didn't bother me personally. Cause like you had, you had two elements, right? You had like Diablos was a uh, tension built. He's like, the sand like, creature. Yeah. He's the sand creature. That's like, we can't leave this like rock we're on and on the rock every night, these spiders come out. So it's like, you have this like really interesting, like puzzle that they need to solve. They got to get off this Island, uh, but they can't be out at night, you know? And so it created this interesting um, uh, bit of tension that uh, essentially ended as soon as, they defeated the Diablos about like two thirds of the way through the film, maybe less Pretty far. Yeah. It was, um, but to me, that was like the full film. Um, and then after that, it kind of fell off the, the rails for me. Um, the Palico is so adorable in the game. That's like, the cat they're creature. just, yeah. the cat creatures are so adorable when they cook you dinner or they, you know, you have like a, essentially a, a palico companion that that follows you around and you can have them be your um like your tank or your healer or you know you can have them you know be part of your your um combat strategy and for listeners if you're trying to imagine uh think of the words pal as in friend and calico as in multicolored cat and you get palico and that's exactly the concept and vibe of them in the games they're fabulous uh in the movie they're frightening <laughs> it, it's almost one and he shows yeah. up in the last maybe 20 minutes of the film and he shows up for one scene and then one or two scenes and then one, one mid credit scene. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it's, it's a common thing in translating these cute things into like, like the live action film. I, I don't know why they don't translate. Um, they, there seems to be this boundary that's like really, really hard to, to meet because they're so adorable. They're so cute in the game. Uh, the the palico in the movie was terrifying I'll, I'll, um, I'll, and he was my favorite part of this movie but we will we'll i'll, I'll put in some more on that uh once we get through everyone uh let's go to oh, wait, let me just so like oh, I I, the problem with the end of this film for me uh is it, it seems to lose its character it doesn't seem to be going anywhere it doesn't uh and it, it really just kind of ends like it just like falls off a cliff because it doesn't it doesn't have any act structure to it. Like the first half of the film had like almost like a complete act one, two and three. And then it was just like flat for the rest of the film. There wasn't anything. And then it just ends. So it, uh, I don't know, like just make that first part longer and then end the film. Like just there. It seems like, to, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Like the second half of the film, it was all flash, no substance. Okay, uh, now I, will, I think I there's pass. a lot of, of fair of fair criticism there. Greg, what was your expectation going in, and uh, what do you think now that you've seen it? Um, I mean, you know, I'd heard middling reviews, so I kind of figured it could have gone either way. Um, it really felt like they had a had a short film, and they couldn't quite pitch that to a studio, and so they pitched it as a feature, and 
I think up until when you have the two main characters actually gearing up to fight the the thing in the desert, which, uh, yeah, I haven't played the games, so it's going to be a, a loss for me on the, the creature names. But um, Diablos. Diablos, thank you. Um, up in, up until them actually fighting Diablos in the desert, um, I was I was I mean basically checked out. Um, I as soon, I think I think that um, that opening with the the boat I thought that was great, and then as soon as I saw like oh it's gonna be like transported from another world plot, and we're gonna have these two characters that don't speak the same language. Um, it just it it checked all these boxes of shit I've seen before. Um, when I I played an, enough of Monster Hunter to be like, oh, like that sounds kind of fun, like a like a big game hunter movie about like like hunting all these dangerous beasts, and it just kind of became hunting two beasts, and you know, it it was like it was like watching another Batman movie to me, where I'm like, I've I've seen Bruce Wayne's parents die twenty times, I I don't need all this exposition, just get me there, get me where where this is all going. Isn't that the second half of the film though? Which I find yeah. boring. And see, that's that was the part that I I liked the most. I because mm. um, that was kind of I guess what I was hoping for the whole time. Instead of the first half where it was just kind of comic relief banter, they don't like each other, but they learn to like each other, and I just I didn't care. <laughs> I think I think it's it's interesting because I I I echo parts of both of your guys' arguments and. Again, I'm going to save mine to last because that's my prerogative. I could do that. <laughs> Tad, uh, what did you expect going in? And what's your take on it now that you've seen Monster Hunter 2020? I knew the term Monster Hunter and thought that it was going to be some kind of cheap Pokemon ripoff like Digimon or um, what's oh, the other one? way out of touch. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I am. Um, I didn't understand 75% of what Jeff was talking about. I've never played Monster Hunter and I don't give a shit. And... Um, my expectation was, no, no, seriously, I revile this movie. All right, let me get into it. As soon as I see Mila Jovovich in the, in, in the cast, there's almost two assumptions you can make. One, this movie's not going to be very good, even though she's a great actress. And two, Paul W. and uh, fucking S. Anderson is involved somehow, because of course he fucking is. This movie was basically the first five minutes of Iron Man, combined with all the shitty Resident Evil movies, combined with the shittiness of Transformers, it, it just assaulted my fucking senses for an hour and 40 minutes. Nathan, I would rather watch McMurderer 20 times than watch this shit again. This movie was fucking terrible. I feel bad for Tony Yaw because I thought his performance was fantastic for someone who basically had a dialogue for a fake language. He emoted yeah. fantastically. I, I loved the chemistry between Mila Jovovich and Tony Yaw's character. And then an hour into the movie, I'm like, the first 30 minutes, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. An hour in, I don't know what the fuck was going on. An hour in 10 minutes, I go, who the fuck are these people and why do I care? And oh, good, here comes Ron Perlman to give me a uh, semi-decent performance where I don't know, still don't know what the fuck is going on. And then the movie ends with the most predictable, predictable cliffhanger I could have imagined. I'm like, yeah. this movie's going to end right here, isn't it? And then it fucking did. I'm like, of course it did. When what Ron Perlman showed up, all I could think was, um, oh, he's playing Nicolas Cage's dad from The Crudes with a fire axe. Oh. Um, that was essentially it. And okay, I can get in board at this. So, so okay, brace yourself for my 
for my interpretation because it's going to go way back in time. First, we're going to start with my very first experience with Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson made, as Tad mentioned, the Resident Evil feature with his, uh, his current wife, who I believe was then not married to him yet, um, Mila Jovovich, who is, I think she's a fantastic actress. Um, and she is, uh, she was one of the youngest models, I think, to ever appear on a Vogue cover originally. She was one of the highest paid models in history at the time. Uh, she's had a long storied career in multiple genres. Fifth Element, people will always remember her um, as essentially the child bride to Bruce Willis in that movie. Now, I love Luc Besson, but that was a weird, weird aspect of, of uh, Fifth Element to me. But diving right in here, I, when I first saw Resident Evil, I hated Paul W.S. Anderson with a vehement fire. Now, hold me through. Even if, Paul, if you're listening, hold on, okay? You're going to have to hear this through for me. I hated it. And part of it was because as a huge Resident Evil and horror survival game fan, um, I was hoping for something more, especially since the, pro the project had gone through so many iterations. Um, George Romero, the legendary uh, now past horror zombie director who did the original and the 90s remake of Night of the Living Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, um, as well as other films like Martin. He is just an amazing filmmaker. Um, bruiser with the misfits cameo uh and and he was on board and he saw the i they saw the games and he saw what they wanted to do with it and he said oh yes i'm 100 on board with this but you guys realize it's an action movie we're gonna do an action movie and his idea was essentially assault on precinct 13 which listen back through our archives guys we covered it uh by john carpenter but with zombies which is very much like the game it's a survival game okay um and the tension mounts and so on well, he fought with them on that because they said, no, it's a horror movie. Uh, so he said, well, I'm George Romero. You can go fuck yourselves. And he left. Then they brought on Rob Zombie because Rob Zombie was hot off the heels of like, uh, you know, he was working on the House of a Thousand Corpses films. He was getting into movies. He always had a very strong, kookiest visual horror aesthetic. And he was really on board. He could not work with the producers. And eventually he stepped out as well. Then they brought in Paul W.S. Anderson, who made an action movie. Like a very much now, I hated it when I first saw it. It's not a horror movie. It there's there's very little tension. It's very strange. It adds all these elements that were not in the game. And the game actually, unlike Monster Hunter series, has a strong plot. Um, and it was just a different beast. Years later, I watched it again. It was like you know what? If I watch it as just essentially the horror fans' version of Fast and the Furious, and that whole franchise, I was like oh. I can enjoy this. It's a popcorn movie. I get it now. Mila Jovovich is a great actress. She has gotten better throughout the series. She got to be a really strong female hero with, except for the full nudity in the very first movie, uh, she really got to be just the action hero as opposed to some sort of sex you know, doll on screen. So it was nice to see that progression. I'm all for it. But midway through this, Paul W.S. Anderson made some other movies. And he caused some issues, mainly uh, 2004's Alien vs. Predator, which people will think, oh, it's two iconic film franchises coming together. No, he based it off the game. The problem is the game was great and had no real story. Well, he decided to put in a story, and it was stupid. It was Cube, which is an interesting low-budget movie, but with Aliens and Predators. And then, I mean, it was just bad. I think, wasn't was that the one where there was a... 
No, that wasn't the one. That was the sequel to that. Anyway, it was bad. I was very mad. I love Aliens. I love the Predator uh, franchise. And I was just disgusted and horrified. So I was back on the hate train. Well, then comes 2008 with Death Race, with uh, which is the the sort of reimagining reboot of um, uh, Roger Corman's awesome, amazing Death Race 2000, one of my favorite uh, Corman films of all time with David Carradine. Uh, and in that film... I was like, oh, this is a fun, grayscale, gritty, sort of like if the Wachowski brothers were given the project visually, remake uh, or reimagining of this film. And I loved it. And I was like, this is fun. I can totally get behind this. Uh, all for it. Back on the train. Was like, all right, Paul W. Sanderson, I give it to you. So I've been on that train for a while. Because honestly, I was like, you know what? I had fun with those movies. I can forgive the disastrous issues. And let's keep in mind, he also made Event Horizon, which I actually think is a pretty solid movie. It's one uh, of my favorite movies, and I feel like that's a fucking fluke, honestly. So so here's my here's my guess. My guess is that when Paul W. Sanderson is given a video game adaptation, he must have some criteria or, or formula that he goes through to develop the plot, and it's inherently flawed. Because I will I will say that Monster Hunter 2020 is my official least liked film of of this entire year and most of last year. There's a couple last year that I reviewed for hornews.net which really made me lose sleep in rage. But I hated this film. I hate it. I had to stew for 2 hours after I saw it and I'll talk about the why in an itemized list. Okay? First off, and Greg sort of got to this, I feel like it wastes the potential of of the franchise because the idea was fighting big monsters i want to see cool monsters i want to see cool monster fights we get almost none of that they fight three monsters if you count the uh the the spider creatures which they kind of fight you know i don't know again they took us they took scenes from the crude they, they trapped the giant creature in a in a like instead of a pit it's like he's stuck to, i don't know it's, i thought it was stupid but uh okay so they don't fight very many giant monsters Two, the the dialogue is bad. Um, they they have, I mean th that what I talked about with that piece that was cut from all copies of this film, all the the theater copies and the the DVD and Blu-ray and streaming copies of that of the film have had the um, Chinese joke removed. Which, by the way, is not a joke. It's just a, it's a line that was supposed to be funny, I guess, and it is not funny. It is garbage. That is the level of discourse in the rest of it. Um, we have we have basically the first, and then Jeff touched on this, the narrative structure, and Mandy mentioned this, the narrative structure is all over the place. Um, there is no narrative structure to lead me through. I found it slow and also frustrating because I was waiting for the clue of what was supposed to be happening and nothing was showing me because until they are essentially stranded on a desert island, which is what the movie is, they're just in a sea of sand instead of water, for the first two thirds, as Jeff mentioned, um, we have all these subplots that not only do they not get resolved, they're completely unimportant. Um, Mila Jovovich apparently has a husband back in the real world, we guess, we don't know, she carries a ring around with her in an Altoids tin. Um, and then we think that Tony Yaw's family is dead because he seems to be sort of praying and worshiping in sort of a, a, a mystic, either like a, a Shinto Buddhist inspired way over these little idols. Uh, and yet 
then it seems like maybe the people in the boat were some of his family and maybe the ones we saw die in the beginning were his but then it doesn't matter and then they're like a ship crew of what what are they doing are they hunting are they i don't know anything about that it made no sense because they didn't give you anything then the idea of this sky tower bridging the worlds gets to tad's point that there is no reason to bring our world let alone military soldiers from the united states into this film there is zero reason except to waste time showing us boring things that have been done in every other movie that has military in it um there are time i mean we we literally the the repetition of action moments that are repeated almost verbatim throughout the film is stunning there are three three action scenes of jeeps rolling over multiple times oh. i mean it's got to be a couple of minutes worth of time of jeeps being flipped over and rolling and by the way it's the same fucking jeep um there there's one jeep in this movie until the very end and it gets thrown around three times in three separate moments i am no longer engaged in seeing the same activity three times like watching um the tr the the decepticons get killed in transformers 2 and then you don't re even realize because either they ran out of money or they forgot how to film a scene who's even dying or getting stabbed in the face. Like, did, I was like, did Megatron just die? Oh well, no, that wasn't him. Never mind. Well, and that was one of those issues too, where they had, it's the same thing with the first Avengers film and then age of Ultron as well. They had just like the dummy soldiers where they all looked identical. They only spent time making like four original creatures. And then, so that was, that was a problem with that. This one, there are just not that many creatures except for the spiders, which is the namesake of the game is the monsters. Um, and we spend the most time with the spiders. And as Jeff said, the spiders are not a huge part of Monster Hunter at all. Um, I will say the designs are cool. Now, one thing that's really interesting and I was excited to see and then really disappointed at the end was Toho is a co-producer of this film. Toho, of course, famous kaiju producer as well as many other movies in Japan. Um, seeing their logo is like a bright star on the horizon for me. I am the biggest Godzilla fan in the world. And, and, and then... I'm just going to roll right into the next bullet point. I don't even need a list because I have them because I've been mulling them over <laughs> for hours. Um, the actual action cinematography and editing is very disjointed in this. And this confused me because Paul W.S. Anderson knows how to direct action scenes. Um, he directs them in a very contemporary sort of, not even contemporary, a very 2000s way. There's a lot of slowdown, a lot of slow-mo shots, um, a lot of Matrix-inspired work. Um, but that's fine. But in this, it's like, it's very, I don't know if maybe they watched it and then they focus grouped it and people were like, the action is too slow because there are rapid fire shots of close-ups that make even Tony Oz and Mila Jovovich's um, martial arts combat, which is actually really good, uh, which is to be expected of someone who is essentially an action actress now, uh, full-fledged, and Tony Oz, who is a martial arts expert, you can't tell what's happening half the time because the shots are so close. It reminded me of jujitsu, which we recently reviewed with, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 um, Nicolas Cage. Like, and of course, Tony Oz in that as well, right? He is given a bigger role in this and his outfit is cool. I thought he was the best part of this movie for me. Um, and Mila Jovovich adds a lot of solid acting and line delivery that frankly the script doesn't deserve in this film. Um, but it... I don't understand what Paul W. Sanderson was doing in the editing room, if he was even there, because everything is just rapid fire. And then that brings to the next point, which is the film effects. This is not a small budget feature. This is a high budget feature with a strong cast, a multi, multi uh, continental cast, 
And yet they, he, he repeatedly used cheap, low budget film techniques of like double vision, blurring, um, whiteout screens, uh, and then the sound going out, which was really popular in, again, the 2000s. Um, ever, I mean, frankly, ever it's been done many times, but it was probably most famous in um, Saving Private Ryan when they used it for the shell shock sounds where the sound slowly comes back. It's very impactful. They use it over every single action scene has it. Every single one has some moment where a character is knocked to the ground and the film goes silent and then comes roaring back and like a flood. It's repetitive. It, it just, it frustrated me to no end because what happened is, is I found myself, as Greg said, I was zoning out because even though stuff's moving all over the place and I should be wanting to look at a giant monster, I, I couldn't see things clearly. I was watching, you know, high quality 4K and higher uh, resolution development um, that I couldn't see. It was like in Alexander with the, the, the famed elephant fight scenes oh, when they no. filmed, when Oliver Stone decided to use tons of color filters and spin the camera around on the ground level facing up. It made no sense. And then we get to the plot. The plot, as Jeff said, the games have very little plot. They do have plot. There's a framing device, essentially, and you can, quote unquote, beat the game and that you can save the village or the world or whatever the case is by so this movie then really hit the nail on the head with the game it had no plot so it was it was perfect but that's the problem for me is that and that is one of those reasons why it's like battleship okay let's let's think back to the alexander skarsgård rihanna movie battleship now battleship was like the epitome of hollywood insanity where uh you know it was a bunch of producers sitting in a room saying hey uh Video game movies are really hot right now. What do we got? Uh, well, what about comic book movies? They're hot too. Okay, but no, those things are things that kids like, but they've all been explored. What hasn't been explored? And they're like, board games? And, you know, these guys are, are older, so they haven't played things like, you know, uh, the, the, the Arkham games or any of these other contemporary board games that are complicated, have story arcs and are narrative driven. And so they said, Battleship. And the, the fact that they made a battleship movie based off the board game with aliens that fall from the sky so they can say, I sank your battleship <laughs> is mind boggling, mind boggling. Okay. But they did it. And the problem is, is that there is no story to go along with that. So they gave these team of writers. And in this case for monster hunter, just Paul W. Sanderson free reign to do whatever they wanted with the plot. It is a problem because the more you try to flesh it out, it doesn't match any of the game's feel or vibe or anything moderately interesting. Now, could you make something interesting that doesn't follow the game? Sure. Let's look at uh, Super Mario Brothers film. Is it a terrible film? Yeah. Is it definitely watchable because it's batshit oh, nuts? Yeah. 100%. The visuals are out there. It's a gritty dystopian post-apocalyptic. I mean, it's madness. And it this has Bob film, fucking Hoskins in Bob it. Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins and John Logazamo used to get drunk in the trailer. Oh, my and God. And then they wouldn't come Elastic. out because the movie was so – they were so angry at the husband-wife directing team. Uh, anyway. I'm glad you – Dennis Hopper was on something, too. I mean, yes. He was the oh. best part about that movie. Nate, sure. I'm glad you mentioned that because the ending of this fucking movie reminded me of Super Mario Brothers, where it ended on the cliffhanger, and you're like, there's not going to be a second movie. No. 
I don't think there's going to be a second monster. Just as a side note, but here's what I recommend for people um, who have seen Super Mario Brothers. First off, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Also, Rift Tracks did a riff of it. So if you're not sure you're going to make it, you'll make it. But go ahead and watch the riff. It's hilarious. Super Mario Brothers, if you don't, if you think, okay, this isn't a Super Mario Brothers movie, this is a side story of Blade Runner in a slum town. You're like, this makes total sense. And why does it make sense? And why does it become a better movie? Because one, you can imagine Jared Leto in it. And two, you can actually like see the inspiration because I don't know how they did this, but the team that started Super Mario Brothers, that was their pitch, was they wanted it to be like Blade Runner. Now, what, I mean, I don't know what kind of mushrooms the team was on that greenlit that, for Super Mario Brothers, but it's insanity. Back to Monster Hunter. The list ends with the plot. I've mentioned it. You, There's a bu- couple of things. As Greg said, there were a lot of points that are checked off a box for me when I watch a movie, especially a big-budget mainstream film, that if they are met, I'm, it's failed me. And it is because this film has nothing original in it. Now, does that mean a movie can't be entertaining? Absolutely not. I think there are plenty of films that I like that don't have anything in inter- particularly new in it um and we'll actually get into a conversation probably about that with with our next film but what what killed me about this is that it is so much wasted everything the cliffhanger ending by the way having the character that is literally just a western dragon be the final monster they chose to have was silly i mean he's just he's a dragon now monster hunter has amazing character designers that have worked on it for for years like like what two decades now and there are these really cool designs why would you choose the most banal creature second you should have had more creatures um there's plenty of room if you watch um you want a show that's a much smaller budget to be proven that you can do amazing things with visuals and creatures and design watch love and monsters uh, with Woody Harrelson in a, in a side role. It's a great film. Go stream it right now. Check out my review on hornews.net. This film failed me in that department. The story didn't allow for the the concept that the games were sold on, that the property of this movie was then sold on. It didn't allow them to sh- shine through. The games is, is very bright. The colors are very vibrant. Um, the designs, as I said, the character designs in this were pretty on point. Everything else failed. And it sucks because Paul W. Sanderson just chose to use these really dated color filtered environments. They spend so much time in the cave. The movie is about the spiders for half the film, you know, and it's, it's the most un un monster hunter about the thing. We don't see a cool town made of villages as, as Jeff said, we only see one Palico, which was my biggest thing about this movie. They actually did release a poster pre-release of, the Palico, and I was super excited. I thought he was going to be a character. He's not. He's not a character in this movie. He's got one little scene. It's like, why would you take the things that are otherworldly about this game and minimize them so we get a good solid half hour of a military team driving a Jeep across a desert? Uh, it just, and, and Tad said, Transformers did that too. Um, and that was that was a miss in many cases. But at least then we had big robot fights occasionally with them involved, which is actually like the show. Whereas in Monster Hunter, it, it the plot felt very much like what it actually is, which is a Western creator injecting what they know into something that is already pre-existent elsewhere and 
and killing the creativity of it by doing so. So um, I'm curious, what do you think, and I'm, I'm, this is an open question, what does everyone think that it would be like if this movie was released in, say, 2004 instead of 2020? Like, what would the reaction be then? Because you're, 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 you're basically pointing out that, yeah, these are a lot of tropes we dealt with in the post 9-11 era, like that, that, that brief period of time where that's pretty much what every movie was. So do you think people would have thought differently then? Um, I'll, I'll chime in to start. I think the, the big response would have been, what fucking game are we talking about? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. what? I mean, yes, I know. It was it probably huge in Japan. It would have been huge in Japan because PSP yeah. was big. Um, yeah, Nate, I think I think that's that's the real answer is Japan would have eaten this shit up and it would have been great. And here in the States, we would have been like, okay. And the thing is, is I think you do have a point there. Whereas if this had been not released in the US and I'd imported this film, I would have been kind of amazed and blown away that something this this visually appealing hadn't been released and I would have been excited. And I probably would have really liked it. Um, the fact that that's not the case uh that this was it's like it just when a big budget i'm so much harsher on these films um because they disappoint me and i actually don't enjoy watching them as much as some of the lower budget films that at least try or have something new because i knew even though i didn't know what was going on in this movie as far as like where the plot was supposed to go i knew everything that was gonna happen i knew that these two weren't gonna kill each other before they worked together I knew that they were going to get across the desert and that the people on the ship would show up again. I knew that they would probably have a climactic battle at the tower. And then by the time we got to the, I was like, there's five minutes left. What the fuck is going to happen? Because there's no plot at this point. I knew that they were going to go back to do another battle and end in the credits. Like I just, it just, it failed me on every level. Um, and so it's hard to look past that. And I just don't understand how you work on a film with so many hands on it and it it just no one says this is garbage you're gonna lose some face and Paulus anderson lost some face i don't know what to say about it i mila jovovich has done some other projects i, I think we've got it, it's interesting because we've got two very different op opinions it sounds like there's a, some people like it's a good popcorn movie if you don't really care yeah, about that's all i was expecting and that's what i got and i was very happy and I have no knowledge of the, the video games, so I could <laughs> not be disappointed about that part of it at all. And I, I did recognize like basically everything you pointed out as a negative, but those were my expectations mm -hmm. as a like as an action film. I'm like, they're just mixed and matched. You've seen this stuff already, unless they have like a startling new premise, maybe like um, Inception mm -hmm. or something like that uh it, so i was or just even like even if the story drags the concept keeps you hooked mm -hmm. for a while yeah so i was just like uh, like how what it, what's gonna come out of the blender this time and yeah. i was like satisfied with it because it basically was like yeah for a film that had really pretty stuff to look at and i really loved the costume design which hopefully is the what it sounds like great. came from the originality of the video game and that i was somewhat novel um i really enjoyed the uh novelty of the uh the sand boat yeah that was pretty cool uh but yeah but like I, everything you said i'm totally like yep nodding along <laughs> like yep well. yep that was dumb like the sound thing cutting out was dumb the u.s soldier thing was dumb with the rolling like but i was just like i was expecting it and because 
it met my expectations i was extremely satisfied with the viewing there's also that thing that um <laughs> I don't know why Paul W. Sanderson did this, but one of the cuts he uses over and over again is to have a montage shot of a character walking where when they cut back to the character, they're still just walking. There's no change. And so he'll have the character walking in a normal shot and then mm -hmm. it will cut to like a drone shot of like the sky, like like 60 feet away. And then it will cut back down to them at the same exact level. And I'm like, why are you doing that? And he does it over and over and over again. And I'm like, are you trying to show us the landscape? Like sometimes, like, and this was a weird, stupid thing. He did this in Aliens vs. Predator all the time. These like weird, like nods to the video game, but they're to the technical, like limitations of the video game. Where like, he'd pan up to show that the landscape, like sharply changes in like two feet where it's like, oh, it's a desert. Now it's a forest. When in the games, you're like, okay, you're going to the forest location. Like, you're not really supposed to think like, this is, this this world has things that are literally two feet apart. It's a desert. Now it's a deciduous forest. That's a limitation of the game world. So when you do that and you show that to us on the big screen, it looks like you don't understand how games work and how computers work. And you're just like, um, no, this is a crazy world where it's like people dropped tiles on a table and this tile was a forest and this tile was a desert and this one was a big ice chunk. I didn't get that. I didn't understand what he was trying to achieve with that. Um, it's like one of the most famous bad game movies is arguably Uwe Boll's House of the Dead, which I almost oh, chose for this episode. Now, God. I saw in theaters, we are going to cover this you movie did. at some point because it has to be talked oh, about. Fuck. But he, one of the things he did to show that it was a movie about the video game is that he padded the runtime by taking clips of in-game play from House of the Dead 2, which was not the newest House of the Dead game. I don't know why they did that and put them in the movie just in montage shots. You just had montages in the middle of like gameplay. It made no while sense. They, while they were like killing zombies, right? Wasn't yeah. it just a whole like murder this spree? Was a, this was a theater, nationwide theater release film. Um, I think it might have been Uwe Boll's last theater release nationwide film, and probably only. But again, it was just a weird choice, uh, and it but didn't we make know, sense. We know now that Uwe Boll is a notorious fucking troll. Yeah. So yeah. we knew that he was doing it to fuck with us. I don't. We don't know if Paul was doing this to fuck with us. I don't us think or not. he is. I think that he really. I don't think he. I think he can find a subject interesting, like a game, because I mean, clearly he has some sort of interest in games. Uh, but who who knows? It's sort of it seems like it might be the um, a case of like Tim Burton doing Batman, where he didn't know Batman and he hated comics and he didn't get it. And so when he took Batman, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it in my vision." It just so happened that some of his vision actually matched what Batman would become. So yeah. that that was that case where I think he might be interested. Like, oh, that sounds like a cool idea, but so I'll just make my movie in that environment, which is interesting, but. It's a waste because I'm sorry, Paul Davis Anderson's, the movies that I like from him, like Death Race, they're not based on game properties. So whatever he's doing with his game properties is fucking perverse because it comes out worse than just a stock translation. Stop Are, fucking making video game movies. I, you know what? I'm okay with video game movies. I just want a good one. We're going to move on now to the recommendations. Greg, would you recommend Monster Hunter 2020? And if so, to who? Um, you know, honestly, yeah. Um, despite only having bad stuff to say, uh, it was it was entertaining. Um, 
it was fun enough. It was silly. Um, I'm sad that the Palico Cat didn't get a song. I mean, it it fits in perfectly with Jellicle Cat. It could have could have been a, the little crossover we needed. This is um, when Japan needs to step forward with a full length 3D animated feature starring just the Palico Cats about their day helping out the jerky monster hunter. It'll you know, make, honestly, money. yeah, I, I wanted this to be Tony Jaws movie. Him and Ron Perlman just mm-hmm. fucking around hunting monsters. I was more interested in that. I love that. Yeah, um, agreed. Uh, but I will add a little caveat to recommending this in that if you choose to watch this, you also have to go back and watch uh, 2002's Reign of Fire and 2007's D-War, also known as yeah. Dragon Wars. Which, by um, the way, that film also has a riff tracks. Yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, it was fun enough. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where it's kind of getting shit on really hard because it's really easy but I think you should at least try it for yourself. So that's fair. Jeff, would you recommend monster hunter? And if so, to who? Um, yes. Uh, but there's, there's going to be a lot of text after this. Let's get to to the yes in the text. (laughs) So first of all, I'm shocked at your, the thing you had like a long list and I feel like you missed some of just like the key things like one, this type of thing, uh, like the Monster Hunter games, lead to this concept that's in like, you know, it's a trope in, in movies. There's always the bigger monster. You know, it's like you have like a big fish that's swimming by and then there's a bigger fish that comes and eats right. the big, big fish. Um, this is actually a big part of the game. I mean, as far as I can tell, is you'll, you'll be fighting a monster and then another bigger monster comes and shows up and then they start fighting. Uh, there's literally like, you know, essentially Godzilla elements in the game and no monster fight it, fought it. Not even the Diablos didn't even eat one of the spiders. I mean, there wasn't, there was none of that in the film, which was just weird. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, this is like a huge part of the whole like genre is like, wh- why wouldn't you have a monster fight another monster? <laughs> like, what, like, that's like the coolest thing that and you, you missed out on. $20 million dollars for that. Yeah. I mean, you do. You know, and that's, that gets you additional monsters. Like, everybody's yeah. hoping to see more monsters in... Well, like, uh, we saw the, what, the Rathlos, right? We saw that burn a couple things, but, yeah, not, not exactly yeah, a fight. I, <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, it really more, like, scared shot. them away. Yeah, it was, like, more implied. Um, and those were, you know, those weren't really monsters. Those are, like, just kind of, you know, creatures that exist in the game that are, uh, you know, like, prey. Basically. The Monster Hunter equivalent of cows. Yeah, there's other <laughs> monsters that fight would fight other monsters, um, and so I I don't know to me that's like that's just like one of the like why didn't they just do that? That's just kind of stupid. Um, obviously, I didn't like the end. Um, so like as far as I'm concerned, if you want to watch this movie, watch up to where uh, Mila Jovovich is dragging um, Tony Jaa through the the desert, and as soon as he wakes up, as soon as he opens his eyes, just stop the film and that's it you, you've watched a good film in my opinion um so and it, there's a couple points that i want to just go back on on so one uh the monster hunter world actually pulls in stuff from other universes um uh, as far as i know I, I haven't played the game enough i think the strongest monster in monster hunter world is actually behemoth from final fantasy universe um there's also moogles in uh, monster hunter world uh the witcher 
Uh, you get to play as the Witcher for a little bit um, if you want to. Uh, they actually pull stuff from other universes. So the idea of pulling people, like, you know, humans into the Monster Hunter universe actually fits with uh, the genre. Uh, but they could have just pulled in Geralt. Sure. That would have been more interesting. That would have been more interesting. Um, could have pulled in Mila from Resident Evil. It could have been no, that character, right. yeah, Jill yeah. Valentine or whatever. They, they didn't. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, and I think that's where, and you're also, this is one of those weird properties. As Mandy said, if you don't have like, your mileage may vary. I don't think that, because I'm not a huge fan of the game series. I've just played them on and off. I thought they were fine. Um, I still don't think it stands narratively at all, but the games also have this weird divide. And I wonder how it affected overseas interest because Monster Hunter World is the more, is the easier, more mainstream entry into the series. It's still difficult, um, but it is easier in that there's lots of quality of life changes. It's easier to save, change weapons, do all the stuff. And they started to, to license other properties to bring it in to encourage multiplayer play. Whereas the other entries are very difficult. They're not very nice to the players. They don't make it easy to do basic things that other games uh, do to make players happy easier. Um, and, and as far as I know, oh, I, uh, Monster Hunter Rise, I think, comes out as of tomorrow when we're yeah, recording this, this. Yeah, exactly. This this episode will have aired, and Monster Hunter Rise for this Nintendo Switch will be out for a couple of weeks. And that's supposed to be significantly easier if the reviews are to be, you know, followed. Yeah, and I mean, it, it makes sense, because as a game gets more and more popular, you're going to want to bring in new people. And if you consistently, as the other entries before World did, if you beat them into the ground mercilessly, they're going to get angry. Uh, and, and so I fault it. I in no way fault it for that. Um, but with that said, this movie feels like it takes a lot from Monster Hunter World, which is sort of a divergence from the classic formula of the game. So I wonder if, say, in Japan, a lot of people would be like, oh, this is crap. This is nothing. This isn't wor this isn't Ultimate or Monster Hunter 4 or whatever. I'd be curious to see. At the same time, I do think Japanese audiences are more forgiving of radical changes to plots and concepts. Um, We've also mentioned, as Tad brought this up too, in like the 90s, it was just assumed that every single comic book adaptation to film, a video game adaptation, was go like the number one rule. They even made fun of it in The Simpsons with the radioactive man is take the character everyone loves, completely rewrite his origin into something everyone hates. Like that was the number one thing, which is kind of what they did with this. Tad, would you recommend Monster Hunter 2020? And if so, why and to who? No, this movie is garbage. I'm not recommending this. Um, I, I can't even think of a, a of a recommendation. I think I'd rather go back and watch the 2007 Transformers movie. Oh, hands down, hands and down. Um, and from Toho, Toho hurt you real bad, didn't they, Nate? You know, they didn't, because I honestly don't think they had a lot to do beyond the monster design <laughs> and set so design. Um, there, there are three production houses on this. Ten cents on there as well. I, I don't, you know. It did hurt me though to see, but you know what? That's it's silly to say because Toho has made their fair of really, really bad movies all on their own merit. Yes. Uh, they just happen to make some great ones and some great bad ones. So no, fuck this movie next. <laughs> Mandy, Mandy Longley, would you recommend Monster Hunter 2020? And if so, why and to who? Yes. Are you looking for a popcorn action flick with interesting costumes and a dumb almost non-existent plot that you do not have to worry or care about watch this film it'll All be right. great fair enough this is a great film to do your homework too 
this i don't know i I, I would actually i'm gonna push back on that because i think the sound mixing is pretty horrendous for this film because the action scenes are brutally loud and the dialogue is whispered and hoarse and quiet and i was just sitting in my living room being like my ears are bleeding and i can't tell if i can't hear them because i've now turned it down too low or if they're full of blood Um, so maybe this is just me like post like you know like one year into the pandemic talking and like (laughs) like um romanticizing uh being able to go out to buffets but this to me very much felt like the kind of like thing like on a day where you just i don't know feel like garbage and you just like want to go to a buffet and eat food that's going to make you feel like garbage even more like i don't know why that's a thing that i like to do a lot of other people like to do it too you're like yeah you know what i mean i need to get really sick off of buffet food today for whatever reason like this felt like the movie equivalent of that and it's what i needed on the day that we watched it so that's probably why i have such a positive opinion about it fair i mean i guess (laughs) we'll, we'll come to me now um i think I, I don't like this film. I think it's a miss on every level. I even think the design of the creatures, I think the main creature we see the, the most, that's the biggest, the, the Diablo, um, Diablos. Diablos. Um, Diablos in, in the sand. He actually, they did a poor job on his design in the face, which is the most important because although it's logical that his eyes would be deeply set and hidden, the eyes read as cartoonish in the overall vision from the distance we saw him at versus the rest of the character that was very neat and reptilian and very real world and then also spoiler they kill him by putting one of the giant swords in between his the the horns on his head which is just biologically the dumbest thing in the world because that's the hardest part of the skull there would be even on a deer there's a solid inch of additional bone through that part it makes there's no logic in this so don't even look for it um and that doesn't even bother me it just was a minor irritation as you're watching it but I wouldn't recommend this because there's so many better films that just do it better. What I'm going to say is I'm going to take a book from or a, a page from Greg's book. I'm going to recommend something else instead. If you want a popcorn movie and you want Ron Perlman and Mila Jovovich, watch 2019's Hellboy. It is in no way a good representation of the Hellboy comic books uh, or the previous Guillermo del Toro films. But you get really cool monsters, great special effects. Um, yes, Ron Perlman is not technically in it. Uh, I know this, um, but Hopper from Stranger Things does a great job as Hellboy. Mila Jovovich plays the evil witch. There's a Minotaur. There's a lot of stupid side characters that it's not the actor's fault. They're just badly written, um, but it's paced better. It feels brisker. You get a cool post credit scene um, that's totally worth it. And while it's not a good movie, it's an absolute popcorn movie and you won't have a hard time watching it at all. In fact, you'll probably watch it again. So. Hit up Hellboy 2019 if you want something to kind of tune out and just enjoy. And I'm this is one of those cases where I was so relieved that I received, gratefully, I, I'm grateful to have received a screener of this. Thank you guys, distributors, very much. But I'm glad I didn't pay for it. Um, originally, if this had been a theater release widely, like without the, I mean, it did release to theaters, but without the pandemic going on, maybe a little more forgiving. Uh, It did come out in IMAX 3D. That was its intended place. It could have been more interesting, but even then I feel like there was just too much not monster fighting for it to be as engaging. I don't want to watch a Jeep rolling in 3D on an IMAX screen. I don't need it. I've been in a car accident. You'll never top it. Uh, All right. That is it for the first film in our (laughs) 
in our video game adaptation uh, world series here. So part one is done. Thank you guys so much for listening. Part two next week is going to be Wing Commander from 1999. To play us out, as always, is the Chud with All About Evil. I want to remind you guys, please leave reviews wherever you get your podcasts, especially Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. If you do leave a review, send us a screenshot and your screen name and your address to cultandclassicpodcast at gmail.com or our Instagram handle or our Facebook, Cult and Classic Podcast. And we'll go ahead and send you some cool swag. Maybe you'll get a zine. Maybe you'll get some pins. Maybe you'll get stickers. Who knows? But you'll get it, and we love you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me. But what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com, where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.